The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Today, I am joined by one of Bachelor Nation's favorite personalities and one of my great personal friends, Kelly Flanagan. Kelly gained recognition after being on Peter Weber's season of The Bachelor back in 2019, 2020. And although Kelly did not win Peter's heart on the show, the two of them have reconciled after the show and become one of Bachelor Nation's favorite couples. Outside of her time on the show, Kelly has developed a very distinguished career as an attorney and has also established a social media following of over 1 million followers between Instagram and TikTok. Today, we're going to discuss her experiences on The Bachelor, what her career as an attorney looks like, life as an influencer, and all the ways that she has been able to capitalize financially on her huge platform. Kelly Flanagan, thank you so much for being here. We are excited to have you on Trading Secrets. Thank you. I I appreciate you guys having me. I'm not going to lie. I am exhausted. You're so shot. I might be I might be a little bit boring, but and I'm going to do my best. why are you shot? What's going on? I mean, last night, we all had dinner. And it was me, great. you. Evan, Peter, <laughs> yeah, we stayed out late. It, you did know you what, stay? Did you guys go continue no, your escapades? No, we literally went home. You know, I wasn't. I didn't drink all day yesterday. It's not even about that. It's, did it's you just, not drink at all? No, not I, even at I, dinner. Like, you did it. I barely do. I barely ever drink. It's just like not my thing. But I don't know. Lately, I've been exhausted and shot, and I don't know if it's my Lyme disease. And I'm sure we'll get more into that. But yeah. It just hits me out of the blue, and it's like I almost can't function because I get so tired. Like That's no, so, for no reason. See, I like when that when I feel that, especially because this is like a you know more of a business type podcast. Yeah, I want to like tap into that because it impacts everything. Yeah, it impacts how you are professionally. It impacts your work. For it sure. impacts your, yourself with a partner. Like the worst like, thing I want is to be around people that I'm not like a hundred percent comfortable with. Yeah, when I'm in these moods because yeah. I get like I get moody. Sure, I get like short. And then people are always like, oh, my God, like, why is she being that way? And I was like, you guys just have no idea how I feel. So, like, when I'm out with my friends and they bring, like, a newcomer in, I'm like, this is the last thing I want. And it's it's not necessarily – it's just too much because I can't, like, to put on that facade and, like, act great. It takes a lot of energy when you're in this mood. So, yeah, I could be a loner at times. Do you think that that is like a – I think that's a thing within this world, like, the reality television thing creates. I think it creates this thing – where you have this extreme paranoia. Mm. Like you're always just worried about making an impression because you just never know, I don't know, where it's going to go yeah. if someone says anything. Yeah. And then you feel like you always have to be on, but being on just drains your batteries. Like yeah. have you felt any of that since you left the show? Yeah, of course. And and that comes from the show, but this is even like more, I would say, exclusive than that. Like even if I'm with my friends and they bring like a new friend around, you know what I mean? Like having to sit there and have a conversation with them and me being like, super super exhausted to the point where i could probably fall asleep right there it's yeah. like i don't want this newcomer to come around or and be like oh this is my friend kelly you know i've spoken so highly about her and i'm just a dud yeah, yeah <laughs> you know yeah, being totally, like hey totally. where are you from you know so it's yeah. just hard when it comes to like meeting people or fans like on the street it's very easy to put on for two seconds hey how are you good okay mm-hmm. like yeah let's get a picture but when it when it's actually like i have to drag along a conversation and talk to them and not feeling well that's when that's when that's a lot would yeah. you can i'm just curious now my curiosity is driving me would you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert like, it's funny because it just depends on the way i feel like i could be mood. i'm sorry that's my oh. phone um, you got anyone good over there 
No. Kelly, I mean, the reason I say anyone good, because Kelly's contact list is outrageous. We will talk about networking next. It's insanity. Before we get into that, are you an introverted or extrovert? I would say I'm more introverted than extroverted. I definitely like to have fun and socialize and stuff like that, but definitely more introverted. Interesting. Yeah. Because a lot of people wouldn't guess that. Because when I am out and I do have energy, I would say like I I can have like high energy. Like, hey, how are you? What's yeah. going on? But then yeah, no, it's And you more even come out and like and we'll get we're gonna get into your work stuff, but even on the show, I think in an Instagram stuff, you come off as extroverted. Yeah. You come off as like, I'm gonna say how it is. I'm yeah. fearful of nothing. This <laughs> yeah, is that's who true. I am. That's like true. I'm Kelly the attorney. Watch <laughs> out, bitches. And you would say that you don't think that 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 I that that's what it is. <laughs> no, I'm that's not. not Kelly Flanagan. No. Okay. I'm sure at dinner with all of us last night, you were probably like, God, this girl speaks her mind so much. No, I loved it. I mean, it's that's actually, you know, I don't want to get too much into yeah. that world, but it is part of your world, just being with like you and Peter and Evan and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just loved how open the discussion was. Oh, yeah. And I think if you can have an open discussion like that, it also creates so much ease in a relationship because you know where you stand. Yeah. Right? No, for sure. I'm I'm very blunt. I love it. <laughs> <She's blind. laughs> All right, let's get into you always being on because I, there's a great story, a great story from yesterday. Okay, so I finished my <laughs> podcast and I finish at five thirty. I'm with my producer Evan, and Evan says I'm going to the Yankees game, and I say Evan, you're out of your mind. You're going to arrive there at six thirty. You're going to yep. catch two innings, and you have to go forty five minutes there, forty five minutes back. I'm not going. He goes, that's fine. I'm going. So he goes. He does his thing. And I knew he was in good hands. That's why I left him because I knew he was going to be with you and Peter. Yeah. And he loves you guys. So I wasn't like leaving him hanging. So he gets there. And then he shows me your seats. Seats <laughs> like they were okay. They were average. You know, not the best seats in the world. Not the worst seats in the world. But you're at the Yankees playoff game. And I said, you know what? He's going to catch three innings. I made the right choice. All of a sudden. <laughs> I get a text of a video of the biggest suite I've ever seen and a text from Evan Starr saying, we are in the Steinbrenner suite at the Yankees game. I started motherfucking ever. What the fuck? How did I fuck this up? And then they were explaining that you actually went to boarding school with the Steinbrenner's daughter. Yeah. And yep. it just, your network is next level. Yeah. I mean, tell everybody just a little bit about like, what is Kelly like as a networker? Is it intentional? Is it because you went to school? Do you have a certain thing that you apply to? How do you fucking know everybody? I would say I would say it's definitely both. One, I was fortunate enough growing up that I was just placed in crazy, crazy places where, you know, a lot of really successful people have been. Between my boarding school, it was really cool. There would be people all over the world. You know, I was dating a guy in the out in the Middle East. Like, when are you ever going to meet someone in the Middle East? And, you know, I had a lot of friends from Mexico. I had a lot of friends from Asia. But a lot of people send their kids to this, like, prestigious boarding school. What is this boarding school? It's called Culver Academies. It's in Indiana. It's actually military for the guys. Oh, so you weren't in Chicago. No, it was in Indiana in the middle of a cornfield. So what's cool about hmm. it is a lot of, like, really important people will come there, but they can't necessarily have that ego behind them because everyone is in a uniform you can't like put on you know you can't use your money to your benefit like a lot of people in new york oh i got a table here be my friend all that stuff when you're in the middle of a cornfield with people who do come from a lot of stuff or don't come from a lot of stuff like you you can't really tell because Hmm. no one was able to flaunt their money or use it to their benefit like we're in a cornfield like you want to go play volleyball like you want to go cool play baseball like you didn't really have too many options but 
what's really cool about that boarding school is since you don't have many things to do, you get to know everyone on such a personal level that like it doesn't matter if you don't see them for 10 years. Like you're, you still know like their heart, you know who they are, you know them at their core because you're essentially living with them, you know? So what's the deal? Just help me out here. I feel like the voice of your David, you're going to love that. The Curious Canadian. I know you met David. He's a beauty. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. What is the difference of a prep school and a boarding school? Is um, there a difference? Don't quote me on this, but from what I think the difference is, is a boarding school, there's like more boarding students. So like the students are actually living on campus. Got it. So like, again, we had people all over, you know, nine, I think it was 95% of the people were actually living on that campus versus like day students who were like going back home to their parents' house and stuff like that. Like I was living in a dorm with three other girls as, you know, the majority of the campus was doing as well. So you, okay, you're living there full time. Why in your head, like when you graduate middle school, at any capacity were you thinking like, I'll go to a private school in Chicago or I'll go to the public school? Or oh, was yeah. it always set that you were going to the I think school? I knew from third grade, you know, there was, there was definitely more pressure when I have five older siblings and yeah. all of them go through there. So they all went to the they school? They all went there. So when I was, I think, in third grade, I was like, I'm going here. And again, my parents never put pressure on us in the sense that they would be like, you're forced to go here. Yeah. But yeah, it was just more of like I felt the pressure because I had to essentially like do what all of them did. Like it would be weird for me to be the only one to not, not to choose go. that. And I saw how like much it benefited you. Like it made you grow up fast. So it was military for the boys, but also the girls had to follow some of like the military rules. So, like, every morning we would get our uniforms checked. Like, someone would come in, make sure it was, like, appropriate. We would have to, like, make our bed, clean our room. Every morning it would get checked. So we had to follow, like, some of the military guidelines yeah. all throughout high school. And, yeah, it was just a crazy experience. I remember I remember, I saluted. So a lot of these teachers that are there, yeah. a lot of them were, like, you know, used to be in the military for 25 years or something crazy like that. And. I was just being like a stupid high school student. I think I saluted one of like the lieutenants or, you know, one of the teachers and I saluted him the wrong way. And I almost got detention for that one because he took so much offense. And like, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just being an idiot. But like, again, that's something not to necessarily joke about. But, you know, I wasn't thinking in the moment. So when I did that, he was just like, how dare you? And he like ripped me over and I heard... I heard you, you got know, a mouthful. 20, yeah. What is the, like what is, what do you, I mean, you, I mean, the Steinbrenners went to your school and yeah. a lot of big names have gone to your school. Yeah. What does it cost? I think when I was going there, it was maybe like 35, okay. 35,000. Again, I feel, again, very fortunate, but feel bad for my dad having to put six kids through that and then that's, college that's and then law Steve. school. Imagine that. He did boarding school for us, and then he did college for all of us, and then he did five law, law school. Because all you guys are attorneys. Yeah, all so five we, of you uh, guys. Yeah, so we— Your dad's uh, a hero and yeah. a legend. We ripped him dry. All right, talk it. to yeah. me about this, because most people, like myself, hear that, mm-hmm. and we're like, I don't understand. I'm still trying to grasp the concept of boarding school. Yeah. So when when people are paying the Steinbrenners, all these people, right, they want their kids to go to boarding school, what is— What's kind of the thought? Why is the boarding school the play? Like, what's the return? What's the angle? God, I can go on for hours on this one. And I'm going to be honest with you. When I first went there, again, I'm the youngest of six. I was kind of a little bit more like I would get away with murder at home because my parents are older. They started super late to have kids. My dad, like, kind of already made his success at that point. But 
when he was grinding, like he wasn't married, he didn't have kids. So he was able to just like focus mainly on that. But I like there were so many times where I'd be like screaming. Every dorm has like a a counselor. Mm -hmm. So like the counselor, if you get in trouble, you got to go to them. And there would be times I would be like running down being like, I hate this place because it was so strict. And I was used to like, I don't know. Freedom. Freedom. You know what I mean? Like going on AIM and messaging my friends. You know, here, internet shuts out at, or you have, you have, God, what is it called? CQ, which is study hours. I think that was from 7.30 to 9.30. We had no cell phones. Your phone, like your dorm phone would have to be out in the hallway. So you're studying nonstop. And then after 9.30, you get 15 minutes. Like if you had a boyfriend or a friend or had to run out of your dorm, you had 15 minutes till 9.45. You got to come back in. The door is locked. If you're late, you get detention. Lights out at 10.30. So people walk by, make sure your lights are out, make sure you're sleeping. So it was like a huge adjustment for me. You know what I mean? Like internet shuts out. Internet shuts out. I think it was at 10.30 and there would it would just be like, oh, my God. Okay. Like I wasn't used to that, how strict it was. You know, your room had to be clean every single morning. Like you would get inspected. Like think about that. It's a lot of pressure for a 14-year-old child doing like your laundry. You had to learn how to do that. Like, you know, a lot of a lot of these people that came from maybe wealthier backgrounds or didn't have the best upbringing in terms of like their parents being there for them. Like it creates structure in you. And not only that, like Culver was very big on making sure that like all of their teachers were just like the best of the best. So they, again, they're living on campus. If you weren't doing well in a class, like you couldn't get away from your teachers. You see them at lunch. You see them at dinner. You see them around campus. Where are you going to go? So like they would invite you to their house and being like, if you're struggling, you're going to come in and I'm going to like teach it, teach us to you. So it was just so strict. And then we had like, like a leadership program within the school. So okay. like you had a dorm, you had like a dorm chair. So like the girl in the dorm would be ahead of, or she would be in charge of her dorm. You would have like a bunch of different positions. And so yeah. you had to take like leadership and learn how to essentially like lead other people. Gotcha. And you had like people below you. So it was usually like the juniors and seniors, the freshmen and sophomores would be the people that you were leading. So it was just like at the age of 14, you really knew how to just like live by yourself. You know, mommy and daddy aren't doing anything for you. So it was a super accelerated thing where at 14, most Right, the Americans, I'm thinking, are probably experiencing this at like 18, 19 yeah, yeah. in college. Yeah. You guys are experiencing it at 14. So it accelerates your path, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like the other thing, the biggest takeaway I'm thinking about is a lot of these individuals have parents that are working literally 24-7 yeah. and probably have a nanny their whole life yeah. growing up. So as a result of that, the idea of like maybe the discipline and the attention that's needed at that level mm-hmm. is is less than existent, and this creates that, yeah. right? Wild. And and not only that, I think the biggest thing that I took away from it is maintaining relationships. You just learn, like, if you are, you know, a lot of people can go to school. They could be the shy kid. They come back to mommy and daddy and just mm-hmm. their siblings and you're fine. You got to go to the school. You now know no one. You might have some siblings there. But at the same time, like, you have to learn how to make yourself happy Yeah, You know, in that situation. Like, you can't rely on anyone else. Like, you have to learn how to make friends because you're going to be living with them. You have to learn how to maintain them, respect them, because you could blow them real fast. You know, like if you screw someone over, you're going to see them the next day. Yeah, totally. So it's like you learn loyalty, you learn friendships, you learn how to maintain friendships, you learn just essentially, and they're so, it's so diverse there in terms of just like where everyone comes from. You learn so much about their culture, about what you like, about what you don't like, 
And it just like makes you a little bit more open minded Okay. because I was just like, oh, my God, like you're from, you know, Asia. T- tell me about this. Like, how yeah. do you guys do this? How do you do that? And it would be cool. Spring break, mm. you'd go, you'd visit them. And I just experienced so much at such a young age, but was able to kind of learn how to make myself happy and also learn like my likes and dislikes and just about other people culture, other people's cultures and how people differ. Interesting. Yeah. OK, so to, I mean, to be in that type of school and obviously your dad put you guys through that there's let's just call space spade there's a lot of wealth there yeah to be able to do yeah. that was that with your father did he start the law firm or where did the where did it all come from so i'll actually be honest my dad had an extremely hard upbringing and my mom did too my mom you know came from the mountains of greece was playing with like lamb bones as toys like had no hot water no running water and she was the manager at jewel like working her ass off she had two jobs to get her degree. Her parents, she would come home. She's Greek. Her parents would like beat the crap out of her because a woman wasn't supposed to get a degree. Wow. She was paying rent in her own house. And my dad had, you know, my dad didn't come from anything. And his story was a little different. It was more of a trophy wife situation where like my grandma was this like beautiful blonde bombshell from Finland. Okay. And my grandpa was like, I think she was like 23. And then my grandpa was like six years old and, you know, a very Irish Chicago guy. So his mom kind of left him really young because she wasn't ready to like raise kids. So she left and he was raised by his grandma, his Finnish grandma. And then the dad was still kind of like going around Chicago doing his thing. So he like loved my dad and his brother, but like wasn't necessarily there day to day. Sure. So then my dad actually went to, he, he got sent off to a boarding school a little bit more just because of, you know, people were busy and didn't necessarily like want to take care of him. Yeah. He still kind of has like nightmares from it. Like, you know, trains go by and it's like PTSD because he was so upset when he would like go by these that he was there knowing that like that was the case. Um, But he went to he went to a rival of Culver that actually shut down. But, you know, he when he became successful in his own right, you know, he he worked his ass off to start a law firm. He was an assistant state's attorney in Chicago and was working with like Mayor Daley, like, you know, the mayor of Chicago back then. And he just made himself super, super well connected. And he just kind of got thrown this opportunity to be like, why am I not in this space of law? So he started it. He had no family. You know, he didn't have a wife. He didn't have kids. So all he had was time on his hands to entertain clients, to start his law firm. And he killed it. And he's doing really well. But that was all on his own. That's amazing. Yeah. And so was it instilled in you guys, like your family, you guys are all going to go be attorneys? Like you're going to go to law school? No, no. Because all you you guys did. Yeah. And I've seen clips of it. I've never met your siblings, but super sharp dudes. Yeah. Like everyone is like, you know, sharp as a tack. That wasn't instilled. That wasn't like you're going to law school. No, I think my, again, my dad's like the nicest guy you'll ever meet. Like he, he's just so kind. My mom's more of like the, the little go-getter who's a little feisty. But mm-hmm. no, my dad would always, you know, say education's the most important thing. Like if you have some kind of just like knowledge behind you, you could do anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he was so big on education. So he would always push us. And there was times I think one of my brothers almost failed fifth grade because he had 32 missing assignments. So like we were not (laughs) great children, you know, like we were we were messing up a lot. But my dad would always kind of just push like, you know, make sure make sure you have some kind of background, make sure that you're always like educating yourself in some degree. And then 
yeah, he just he he would definitely say the pros of it sure. and like sell us on them yeah. and being like, listen, it just makes you think different the way like it is just so beneficial to have that knowledge behind you. So, um, you know, my first brother decided my second brother didn't. So my second brother is not an attorney. And oh, then okay. all of the rest of us followed track. But it was <laughs> it was I would say I'd, I didn't know what I was doing. Okay. Like I wasn't, you know, one of my brothers, he knew since he was like four years old. He's like, I you were just like, I'll give it a shot. Everyone's, yeah. that's the direction I've seen of success. I'm going to go. Yeah. Your, all your other family members that have done it other than your one brother, mm-hmm. are they all working for your dad? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And your other brother who didn't do it, what does he do? He uh, is a farmer. And does he really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He's like obsessive with plants. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And so. That's a wild. That's wild. wild. I'm taken aback by that. Okay, but you also be taken back because you would think like, okay, all of them are attorneys. No, my brothers are big. Like we have farm out in Illinois, and they go and they 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 love hunting. But like they're like creating their own ecosystem out there, and they're buying pheasants. And they're buying bats, like the bats to eat. I think it, like the ticks or something. Like, yeah, like a whole. They, they're literally system. trying to start their own ecosystem out there. Like they Damn. grow farm. They grow like so. It's. My family is very different from what you would think like a typical attorney is. Like okay. they're goons, they're idiots, but you know. <laughs> I love it. It's yeah. very well balanced. But so then you go to, uh, by the way, I love that you went to the University of Alabama, <laughs> something we never learned on the show. <laughs> no or one after. ever knows that. Um, so you go to University of Alabama, you get your degree. Do you consider going to other law firms to work or do you immediately say, I'm definitely going to um, so the actually when I, when I got to When I got to my family law firm, I really, I'm huge in traveling. I love traveling and I kind of wanted to go to London. So I was trying to figure out if I could like go use my law degree over there. And then I was like, you know what, let's give this a shot. So I started working for my family to see if I liked it, started taking more courses because what they essentially do isn't totally law related. There's other things involved with it. So I started taking more courses to like learn the ropes. No, I would have been happy there. I, I definitely would have been happy staying there, but yeah, I think I was just in a period of, you know, wh- what am I doing? And then I decided to go on the show. <laughs> and you're, so your family, though, they're in tax law, right? Yeah. Tax law. Okay. They do property tax appeals for commercial real estate. Property so tax So essentially, appeals. like, it. a lot of people don't understand that. But, like, say you have a really big building, sure. some kind of skyscraper building. They essentially go and they do the taxes on those buildings. Because every year, those buildings have millions of dollars of taxes to pay. Of course, of course. And, like, the government essentially comes and says something along the lines of, like, hey, this is what your taxes are going to be. Right. And what my family does is they essentially help these companies get it down to some kind of, like, mediation price or negotiation price that, like, actually is fair. Got it. Because they just put a big stamp on you and say, hey, this is what you owe. Okay. So we appeal them and we say, no, actually, we don't owe that much because this, that, and the other. Based on X, Y, and Z law. Yeah. And when you're dealing with millions of dollars, you know, it's it's a lot for these companies. Huge, huge impact. Got it. Okay. So you go to work and then the question I got asked before the show, how the hell do you sit there eye to eye with your dad who put you in boarding school at 35k a year put you through alabama put you through law school and try and negotiate your salary like what the hell does that look no we so we all knew that like again with me like everything was already set in stone like you know my dad was he was like paying rent and then he was paying my phone bills and then my health insurance and stuff like that and when you started there did you ever actually think in ten like we talk about career navigation and pay transparency on this podcast? Did you actually think in ten years from then you'd still be in a working attorney? That's a good question. I've always kind of like 
never really knew, you know, where I'd be. I, I don't think like that. Like I know other people, like for example, Peter's like, oh, I wanted to be a pilot since I was four. And I was like, mm-mm. I've never, never worked like that. like that. I've never been like attached to something so much that like this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Like right now I'm doing influencing stuff. Who knows what I'll be doing in six months? Who knows what I'll be doing in a year? I have no clue. I just have never gotten attached. So like, What do you like dream six months from now? I can't even tell you. You don't know? I can't tell you. kind of love that. Yeah. I just like. So how do you know that you're doing is right? Because I enjoy it. Okay. If I if I don't enjoy it, then it's time to switch something up, and I'll I'll figure it out. And do you enjoy? We're going to get into the show for a minute, just like about the career changes. But do you thoroughly enjoy the work that you do now? Yeah. What do you enjoy most about it? The freedom. The freedom's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, and not only that, incredible. but freedom. You have to understand that. Like, again, I was working with all my siblings, so they're sitting there, and one of my brothers is the biggest asshole. Sometimes <laughs> I'm not going to lie, but like. He would be like, go get my car washed. And if I wouldn't, he would be like, okay, like we're going to take away this from you, take away that from you. So they would kind of like, it was kind of like I was their little puppeteer that would have to do everything they said or they would start limiting. You were like the intern because you're the youngest one. Not even the intern. Coming on board. It would be like personal stuff like go clean this. And again, I'm exaggerating. Yeah, of course. It would be things that were not law related to any degree. And then like if I didn't listen, he would be like, okay, like we're not going to give you this. Or they would like, just try to like, you know what I mean? Like okay. limit me in certain ways. And I was like, Oh God. So it was like constantly in fear of kind of my own family to some degree, because my oldest brother could be such a bully. <laughs> <laughs> like he really is. But just now knowing that like I could work when I want, do what I want. I'm making great money and I don't have someone essentially, I don't know, telling me what to do in that sense. Yeah, I think guys at home, the one thing that's really important is I grew up with a lot of families. I think the the, the affluent families, at least in a small town like Buffalo, they are have made it because most of them, not everyone, but most of them have family businesses there, and it's been a generational thing. And you would expect a lot of those businesses to have like just – Sweet Jesus meals every day, living the life. Things are good. Everything's bliss, rainbows and roses. And the stories I've heard (laughs) internally from a lot of these family offices where you think everything's picture perfect are things that are a hundred times worse than I ever heard in the corporate world. And so I do think it's good to like give some visibility into that. Family businesses, while extremely can be lucrative and great and everything else, like it could be really tough too. Hard. It could be really hard. Yeah. You're balancing a lot. Who gets what? Is there an ego issue with that? Who's taking over? I mean, there's a lot that yeah. goes into that stuff. What I'm fortunate about is there are six of us, so we all we all know each other's flaws pretty well. But we're actually so close. And yes, we will go off on each other and we'll tell each other, like, you suck, all this stuff. But we actually get along so well that like none of us will leave any anyone out to dry which is such a cool feeling because you know for how much I complain about my brothers like they help me so much I like I can't thank them enough mm-hmm. and they're just like it's so cool to have a soundboard to just go to and being like hey like I'm stuck with this decision like what do I do and everything they they say like it I'm like you're you're smart like yeah like thanks I need that like yeah. it makes sense like they're totally. just smart individuals that you could trust so 
So when you were offered the opportunity to go on the reality show, The Bachelor, at this mm-hmm. point when they're carting you around saying, go do this, go do that, to you is it a no-brainer or are you thinking through it? Oh, no, I thought through it because they were on top of me. They're they like, didn't want you to go. Yeah. Some did, some didn't. It was like a 50-50 Who in your family split. wanted you to go? Who didn't want you to go? My dad had no idea what even what it, was. What, what it meant. What did mom think? My my dad, like, oh, my mom was excited. She was, she was thrilled. Half was like, like, I remember one of them, and he's probably like the most low-key, was like, go through the process. Like, it'd be fun, like, but don't actually do it. Mm-hmm. My other brother, who's sweet, the farmer, he was just like, do whatever you want. And then my two other brothers were like, absolutely not. not. Was like, there any risk in, like, again, higher profile family? You guys have a lot of big clients. You're getting fucking snuck into this Steinbrenner suite. That goes on. <laughs> I mean, was there anybody in the family like, you can ruin our reputation? Oh, absolutely. Because not only that, with my family, like, again, People who own commercial real estate, it's the one percent, you know. Yeah, oh, so, totally. So not only that, like our clientele is the one percent because they're all owning. You know, we're dealing with commercial real estate. So my brothers are extremely, extremely well connected because these are their clients. So like that's why I know a lot of these people too. Got it. Is, so okay. I'm essentially hanging out with our clients, and again, they have connections and stuff like that. So that's why you're like, what is happening here? <laughs> yeah. But again, like think about our clientele, and my brothers have to constantly like be around those type of people i forgot where i was going with this we were talking about a little bit about the impact of you going on the show and and just like oh yes 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 so yeah so they're dealing with like risk they're dealing with really high profile people who are probably pretty judgmental yeah so um probably concerned about that so yeah they were definitely concerned and then you know i just kind of decided i was like i've never like changed my opinion, if I feel strongly about it, yeah. to appease them. I've never been you're just that like, person. I'm going to write my own yeah. ticket. All right, then I got to ask you this. You go through the show and you're, you're especially on Peter season and Bachelor, you were, I would say, if it's fair to say, extremely likable, but polarizing. Like when you thought something, you said it. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, this is who I am. Deal with it. Take it or leave it. Were there any professional, that's all I want to know, professional repercussions or pushback from your family given the way the show appeared. No, actually, they they didn't care at all. Like I remember getting off the show, and I think they tried to like not give me the best edit in some degree, but it actually was fine. Like I was okay with it. You know, I could read through some of the stuff that like didn't mm-hmm. necessarily go down that way, but I was like, ah, oh, whatever. But I'm definitely not your average reality star. That's no, for no, sure. No. <laughs> and, and believe me, the producers told me that right from the jump. They're like, we love you, but man, you are not like a good contestant. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I understand. Like I get it. You know, lose your shit. Do yeah. what we tell you to do. Yeah. And I was like, no. So you finished the show and I was curious about the reputation risk. If they had any problem, you said that they didn't have any they problem. Didn't. And I'll actually, but- I was actually surprised by that. Sorry. That's where I was going. I was okay. actually surprised because a lot of like our clientele was actually like so happy. So really? now they yeah. were like, let's go Cal. Yeah. Team Cal. Yeah. Which I was wow. shocked about. So it actually about. worked in your It favor. actually worked in my family. I mean, not really, but yeah. it, it like makes them like love that affiliation. Did you find, again, trying to stick to the business side of this, did you find that having a family with a lot of success in you know, you've learned to carry yourself a certain way. Mm -hmm. Did that work against you at all with the house or the entire show, just seeing like a confident, professionally successful person in a position where they're like, I don't need this, but I'm here if it works out? 
I think everyone knew that was my mentality. But again, like, I'm going to watch my words. I'm not going to, like, put that in people's face or, like, make them feel that way. So, like, they would pick up on some things. Like, when I'd be like, my sister plays polo and my brothers play a lot of golf. (laughs) Like, people are going to read in that and be like, who is this rich little brat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I genuinely don't think I, like, carry myself when I'm talking to people. I don't, like, sit there and, like, purposely bring it up to make you feel lesser about yourself. Like, or I'm not going to sit there and, like, act like a brat. Like, there's a lot of people that maybe haven't known my background and they're like, they've been shocked to hear like when they start like hearing through the grapevine of things and they're like, what the heck? Yeah, Because I just don't carry myself that way. Like if, yeah, I'm sure there's like bratty parts of me and, you know, but again, like I've always been called out. Like Mm -hmm. anytime I got a person, a designer purse, I I think I have like two Mm -hmm. and, you know, I could afford them now, now Mm -hmm. that I'm doing my own thing, but like, I just don't really care. Sure. Yeah. But anytime I would have like anything designer, like my mom would like just be like beat the shit out of us. She'd be like, What is wrong with you? I haven't (laughs) raised you this way. If we were raised by my dad, we'd be spoiled brats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my mom definitely kept us in check. check. Did you think about going back to law work after you finished the bachelor? Yeah. Yeah, I was. And did you? I did for a little bit. And then what was the breaking point that made you say, you know what? I'm done with this. I think when you see like the finances coming the through, numbers. Yeah. <laughs> when you see the numbers coming through from social media and I was like, man, like I can get away from my brothers being mean to me and be successful in my own right. This is great. Since you left the law firm to go do social media work, have you had any regrets or do you have any desire to be an attorney again? Yeah, I do. And you know what? There are times where I miss just like the the stimulation, just like the, the mental, mental stimulation. stimulation that you okay. get. And again, it's like painful going to law school and you're like, this sucks. But when you're done with it, like I was looking at some of my law stuff and I was like, man, it's like kind of hard to read this stuff now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you you kind of lose it if you're not using it. Totally. And I miss that. I miss like it's kind of just like this challenge in your head when you figure out how to put like A, B and C together type of thing. You're like, oh, my God, like it's rewarding. Right. So when you're not using your brain that much anymore, it made me miss it. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Just the whole stimulation. It's a different world. It's a creative angle, but it's not in the weeds. Mm-hmm. And, and you're also not med- always dealing with the most stimulated people in this space. Yeah. I just um, get ragged on all that. But you were, I mean, yeah, yeah. You just got people chirping you every second <laughs> yeah. about something. My question to that is what's your take on the future of it all? Like you, you, the money that's coming in now, do you ever get worried about does this end? Does this continue? Yeah, for Will sure. it last a year or two? And then what is, do you think about what the professional plan would be then? Like, how does Kelly interpret the navigation of this, like, wild, wild west that I hear you. is and this world? I definitely don't think it's going to be like it is now. And if that's the case, like, I'm not kidding, Jason. Every single penny that I have made, I've invested in it. Wow. I invested every single penny that I have made. Like, I'm not going, and again, like, I'm, I haven't bought, like, a Chanel bag. I don't even own a Chanel bag. Can I go buy a $5,000 bag? Absolutely. But I would rather invest that mm-hmm. than ever put it towards a bag. Like it just, it like, I don't know. It just would bother me to like waste money like that. And not only that, like in 2021, my parents were back in Chicago. So I was just thinking like, okay, how do, you know, I'm, I'm making like really good money for myself. I don't want to rely on my family in any degree. What do I do? I was living out of my parents' house in Florida. And again, I know I'm fortunate enough to be able to do that. Sure, You know, I know that's one of my 
something that many people don't have. But I was like, you know what? For that whole year, when or I am like rent. making bank, yeah. I'm not going to pay rent. Or I'm going to go down anything. there. And again, like <laughs> it was kind of lonely. I was essentially living in like an old person's home for an entire yeah. year. But again, <laughs> I travel so much, so it didn't really matter. But I didn't pay rent for an entire year. So every penny I had coming through through social media, I took that money and I was just investing it. And again, like that's where my brothers come into play is they're so smart when it comes to investing. So like, I might not necessarily know what to do, but they teach me. They tell me what to do. I trust them. And yeah, so I've literally invested every penny for my future. So almost every penny that's come from social media monetization has been invested. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. That's that's the Rob Gronkowski of the bachelor. <laughs> every dollar that's coming from his NFL contract has gone into savings, which yeah. is amazing. Ten years from now, professionally. Mm-hmm. I know that's not your thing. It's yeah. not your thing projecting. <laughs> but what does it look like? Like the dream. What is the dream to at 10 years from now to be a mother and just be with your and there's, that's no, an amazing no, thing. I, but that's amazing. No, like, it is what amazing. Is I don't the work Kelly like that, Flanagan though. dream. I can't peg you down. I'm like moving <laughs> left and right. I'm like, what is it? What is it she wants? What do you want out of your professional life? I I genuinely like We'll see. And you know what? Something like sparked me a little bit. So one of the girls that was on my season, I don't, I don't want to say her name because I just don't know if sure. she wants to be named, but she came to me and I think that I'm in a very special place that not many people understand. Okay. I, I have a law background and I also know social media, like the back of my hand. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of rules and regulations coming into this field that, you know, a 65-year-old guy who has no idea what Instagram is, is going to be dealing on these contracts. It's going to be, it's a different language. Look what happened with Kim Kardashian. Yeah. SEC just came down on, for anyone that doesn't know, SEC just came down on Kim Kardashian and they came down on her because she was promoting a cryptocurrency and it wasn't done legally correctly. Yeah. So and she put of, hashtag ad on it and they She still did all the it. things yeah. she thought she did, yeah. which is all the things that we would have thought. Oh no, it was something along the lines of she didn't she didn't put the money amount that she made from it. Maybe she didn't put the money amount, she didn't put how she was connected to it. I yeah. think it was more of a go check out Ethereum and it was more of a blanket statement without gotcha. any type of ad stuff. So she settles with SVC for one point million something. We'll we'll hit that in the in the recap. Stay tuned. We'll talk all about that. But from that, it has created this crazy ripple effect because now people are realizing this influencing thing is no fucking joke. Yeah. Like people are like, blow it off, shake it off. They're like, no, this is a massive, massive, huge, multi, multi-billion dollar business that is growing by the second. And I think there's a lot of attorney work. I'll tell you a quick story. We we do obviously we do a lot of financial, you know, banking stuff like that. After the Kim Kardashian thing, I'm not going to name the company. We had a banking company reach out to us and say, "Hey, you did this ad for us in these dates, and it was great, and you complied with everything. But where compliance is today, those are outdated. You have to go remove them." So this, I'm talking like 2018, 19 shit. No way. So yeah, Evan and I are sitting there like, what the hell? Where was, we're digging through this and we had to delete it all. So to your point, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, you're fine. There is something huge with the legal world and social media. Oh yeah. And I think it's, I think it's going to take off. And again, the story I was telling one of the girls, it's the most ridiculous story. Just wait for this. She contacted me. She was, she was getting sued and she was like, Kelly, I don't understand what's going on? Can you let me know? And she did one of those loophole giveaways where, oh, tag, you know, six of your girlfriends, follow them and you follow them and we'll give you a bag. So she did one of those. There was this guy who followed all of those six girls 
and it started a massive fight with him and his girlfriend and because he just followed essentially six new hot chicks. Oh, my God. And I guess they broke up. They had issues. I don't necessarily know the details on it, but he was trying to sue her for nominal damages, a.k.a. $6, I think it was. Stop this. Yeah, yeah. For like, oh, I forget what it was. I think I have the contract, but like defamation or something crazy. And she was like, what is this? And I looked at the case and I started dying laughing. I was like, listen, you don't have like that much to worry about. This guy just seems a little bit crazy. Yeah. But he literally was suing all all of the like six girls for $6. So you were getting sued? Not me, not me. One of the girls from our season. Oh, one of the girls from your season yeah, yeah. was getting sued because yeah. she did a giveaway because this guy broke up with his girlfriend because of a giveaway. Because he followed, yeah, he followed all of these girls. And then the girlfriend broke up with him for following them. <laughs> yeah, it was nuts. I do think that, I mean, totally off topic, I think a lot of those giveaways are going to get crushed. Yeah. Because there's not much compliance with them. Yeah. It's like, oh, we'll give this away. And there's not like the, you know, I mean, you would know this better than me, but all the legal bullshit with giveaways yeah. and we're going to make sure it's equitable. Da, 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 da. Like, I think that's this one. There, there's like different kind of giveaways. I've yeah. done, I've done like a couple of them and they were like really fun to do. Cause we would like go buy a girl, Louis Vuitton and like, it would just give you exposure to another girl. And then like, if they liked you, they would continue to follow you. If they didn't drop off, you know, right. like it doesn't hurt anyone. But, um, yeah, it was, it was quite crazy. This wasn't for a company. This was more of just go follow my six girlfriends. You know, this Got wasn't it. like, hey, I'm giving away this for a company and like all those rules and like, regulations like, were there. Fo- okay, it was just go it. follow my six girlfriends who are also influencers. So someone from Peter's season, we'll try and in the, in the recap, we're going to guess. I'll say, I'll, I could say the name. I'll text her and see if. Okay, you'll text her. If not, in the recap, we're going to take a shot. Who got <laughs> sued from Peter's season regarding a giveaway? I think there's going to be more of those lawsuits coming. I mean, it's a crazy world. All right. I got to ask you this. Professionally. You're a nomad. You're mm-hmm. all over the place. Chicago, Miami. You got Peter in New York. Where is Kelly Flanagan going to live now that your work is flexible and your relationship status has changed? It's a tough one. I love Miami, but it's not feasible for Peter. So, yeah, it's been tough. I mean, I've always been okay with New York. I think New York is amazing, but, you know, it's something him and I have to talk about. Figure out where you want to go and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think LA is necessarily my scene. I could see myself in New York way more than any of the other cities that, you know, he has access to or United Mm -hmm. has a base. So I don't know. We're not necessarily there. We have some conversations when that does happen. Figure that stuff out. That stuff will come and so will what's next for you. I do want to talk about the Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. So back in 2021, you were diagnosed with Lyme disease. You started this podcast off saying you were shot and you attributed it. It could be Lyme disease. Yeah, it Uh, most likely is. I just sometimes like get annoyed with it so much and I almost like to pretend I don't have it. And that sounds so bad. Yeah. But like I don't like to like be negative in that sense. So when I'm like feeling bad, like I don't want to like, I almost just try to like push through. Yeah, but also I think the cool thing about what you've done, and it's even tied to your professional influencing career, because I think a lot of people are gravitating towards it and you're making an impact, is like you are an advocate for Lyme disease. Yeah. I had no idea about the severity of Lyme disease mm-hmm. until I was honestly educated by you. And yeah. I think there's a lot of people out there yeah. that fall under that boat. Um, I mean, what can you tell us about the diagnosis and, and what is like the status of how you're working on everything? 
You know what? There was for nine months. I was on like an extremely strict diet. I was doing like a lot of, God, I don't even know where to start, but I was on an extremely strict diet where I was only es- essentially allowed to eat meat and vegetables, like no okay. drinking, no sugar, no fruit, like absolutely nothing. Like you can't mess up for Damn. one day type of thing. And then I had like a bunch of red light lasers where I would have to like go all over my body and like stick them in certain places to help. It helps with detoxing. And then I have like this plate that shakes and stuff like that. And then I would have to hear like light therapy and like noise therapy and all this stuff. And I think that it worked so well for my brother. The, The problem is I think that I was taking like so many supplements. So they give you just like these bottles and you have to take them like, I don't know, 25 times a day. I think that something in one of those bottles was still inflaming me because Because I gained, I I was gaining so much weight. I was inflamed. Like you could just tell my body, like I was, I'm probably like 20 pounds up from what I was like maybe last year. And I was like, why? You know what I mean? Like, why did that happen? And that was within the nine months of me eating the cleanest I possibly could. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. So I think that like something within those bottles that I was taking, again, like if I'm allergic to it and I'm taking it three times a day, like imagine it messed me up. So I stopped it because I was like, this is not making me feel better. Now I think I'm just at a point where like I know how to eat healthy. I've taught myself so well to take like these little steps. Like the amount of massages I get, Jason, Mm -hmm. is absolutely insane. And it's not necessarily (laughs) because like I want a massage. Like the first thing to go when with my Lyme is like my muscles and my neck and shoulders, they just like tense up and they just like kill me. Like they just hurt. Like just out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Like again, if I'm eating gluten or something that like triggers it, like it just like hurts. Like it hurts and it's like. It's like just hard. And then there's a bunch of other things that come with it. But yeah, it's tough. And I just try to stay as healthy as I can. And and that, this literally comes from a tick bite. Yeah. And you have no idea. Like you I'm can't convinced. track this stuff, right? No, agreed. And I, I grew up in the Fuck. woods in Illinois. But also I think that you can pass it down. You know, there there's studies that say you can. There's studies that say you can't. There's okay. studies that say Lyme disease doesn't even exist. So at this point, like, just do your research and see what applies sure. to you. Yeah. Um, but no, I think that you can pass it down. And that's, like, something that scares me even more to, like, have kids and, like, have yeah. to worry about that stuff. And But, yeah, I don't know if I got it when I was younger. I don't know if, like, my mom had it. But, you know, because there's three of us in my family that have it. Like, think about that. Yeah. Like, what are the chances of that? Yeah. All right. For anyone that's listening and they want to learn more about Lyme disease or they want to find a way to get involved with Lyme disease and give back, what would you recommend and where would you tell them to go? So I actually work with a company. I reached out to them and they're called Igenics and okay. they're like the testing for Lyme disease. So Got it. And, and what sucks is the majority of tests for Lyme disease are so inaccurate. Damn. Yeah. And the government also says that Lyme disease doesn't exist. So it's not covered by insurance. So nothing is covered by insurance. So Igenics right now on the market is the best test to take in terms of accuracy. And then I work with Global Lyme Alliance, which is a great company. They're like doing so much research. We just went to their gala here last week, and I think they raised like $1.885 million or something crazy like that. So that wow. makes me super excited. But they they just have a lot of knowledge behind it, and it's crazy like – they were telling me I have a lot of Zoom calls with them and I talk to them a lot and because they know I have a platform and I try to share as much as I can to help them out just to bring awareness. And it's just crazy like how people, you know, you could be totally fine. Like there was a Broadway 
I think her name's Ashley. I can't remember. She was, okay. she's one of the Broadway girls, but she came on and she said her entire life, I think she's had Lyme for several years. She's fine. Like you wouldn't know. And then just one day it was triggered. One so day it was some triggered. people are just not impacted yeah. at all. And then some people, it turns their life around. Yeah, because it can go like, it's not always active. Like it could just be mm, dormant. And be you. dormant. And, and then, then if come. you're like going on benders or drinking a lot or not taking care of your body, then it could like come out and you're screwed. But she came on and just said like just one day picked up and then, you know, having Zoom calls with them, even the vaccines and how people were going and getting vaccines and their Lyme wasn't active for 20 years. And all of a sudden they're like shot, like completely shot. Wow. Okay. It's little nuts. You don't necessarily know how it's triggered, but yeah, it's a bunch of different ways. It's a crazy, crazy, crazy disease. And I did some research on Lyme disease cases rose 44% between 2010, 2020, and 14% of the world populations may have had Lyme disease. And then they also said, I think this is interesting, 75% of people who've contracted it will develop a rash on site. So not all people do. No. It goes undiagnosed. I don't remember rash at all. But some people do. I mean, it's crazy And stuff. what's also what's crazy about those numbers too is I think actually a lot more people have Lyme disease than they know. But again, the government, like who's going and getting tested for Lyme? Yeah. But I think this is a more common thing where people like have autoimmune issues and they're like, okay, now what do I do? You know, Lyme is more acknowledged now than it ever was. So I think a lot of people have Lyme, but it was just never acknowledged. It was never acknowledged. I think that so many people have Lyme and they just, they don't know. And so where can they get tested with the group that you work with? Igenics. Guys, check it out, especially if you're, I don't know, if there's any concern at all, like why not get the information? All right, Kelly, let's end with this. We're doing a rapid fire here. It's from the Money Mafia. Those are the people that are listening to the show. We're going to do a quick rapid fire, and then we're going to wrap up with your trading secret. Okay, ready for it? (laughs) All right. First one, best deal you ever got on Instagram. My manager's here. Help me, Evan. Best deal you ever got her? Wrestling. Wrestling yeah. Botox. Dude. No, no, wrestling filler. Oh, wrestling like lip filler. filler. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, there you go. And and it's funny because like I, it's so funny because my entire life, my face has always just been like round. Okay, so when I was going with one of my girlfriends, Kelsey, and I was like, no, I don't want filler. Like I would always be afraid to get filler because I was like, I don't need more volume in my face. Like yeah. this shit is already intense. So when I went there, and again, I haven't gotten it done. I want to go get it done again, but. What they do is like, I'm so cheeky right here, like okay. in the front, the apples. So what they do is they actually can like slim my face. So they put the filler like in the back, like kind of more by your temples. Oh. And so it like pulls it back and it just like makes it less voluminous here. Interesting. So people will always be like, oh my God, she got too much filler. And it's like, no, 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 no. They could actually shape your face to not make it so voluminous because mine is already like, I have so much volume in my face to begin with. A hell of a partnership. Pays well yeah. and does you well. Yeah. I love that explanation yeah. breakdown. But I what? used to be so scared. Now I'm like, oh, God. You're like, bring it on. Yeah. Let's go. All right. Worst deal. Worst deal you ever agreed to. What can you think of? I think there was like a giveaway that, you know, with me, like right now I barely have any makeup on. I just sometimes will get super dressed up and like other times I just don't care. And this giveaway like wanted me to like dress and look a certain way. And it was just like the way they were going about it to like kind of try to look prestigious. And I was like, that's just not me 100%. It just like rubbed me so wrong. Yeah, Being like, no, she has to go put on makeup. She has to. And I was like, 
no. Like So they're it, giving you these requirements that you typically on a day-to-day don't fulfill. Yeah. And, and it was like, it that's was, not me. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was definitely a weird one. Okay. That's a good that's good. All right. Investment ops. You got one opportunity to invest in anything right now. What would you it could be anything? What would you invest in? There's no wrong answer. I mean, the my most recent investment, I did a real estate investment fund, oh, which, cool. which was cool. And then actually my most recent one was RX3. It's Aaron Rodgers Fund. Oh, yeah. So they have a bunch right. of like partnerships I'm going to start working with here. Like Theragon cool. is a really cool one. They do core power yoga, stuff like that. So Awesome. All right. Stay tuned to the recap. We'll talk all about their fund and what they do. Instagram influencer or lawyer? You got to pick one. What are you picking? Influencing. <laughs> Chicago or Miami? Miami. New York or Miami? Don't ask me that one. Probably Miami right now. TBD. Peter's listening, so she's not going to say. <laughs> Bachelor or Bachelorette? Like, which one do I like watching which more? Which you prefer, yeah. Probably Bachelor. Bachelor or Bachelor in Paradise? Probably Bachelor. Would you ever go or do anything associated with the franchise again if they wanted to have you on a spinoff? Or maybe even do your wedding if that's what happens. Oh, man. You know what? I don't ever regret going on the show. I don't think I have any animosity towards them. I don't think they have any animosity towards me. But I don't think like I'm gonna live my life around them. You know, am I open to something if sure. it like benefits me in a cool way and it like sounds exciting? Sure, doors open. Yeah. All right. In 20 years from now, do you think you'll be which one of these two, a CEO or owning your entire business? I would say owning. All right. That's all I got. That's the Money <laughs> Mafia rapid fire with Kelly Flanagan. Kelly, before we can conclude this episode, we got to get your trading secret. Something people out there can learn from you. Money management, financial management, life navigation, career navigation, anything goes. It's your trading secret. Kelly Flanagan, what can you leave us with? I would literally say if you guys want to be successful, what I have learned is making and keeping and establishing connections is one of the most important things you could ever do. It's crazy the amount of opportunities I've been given just because, you know, I've I've made a friend and they've wanted to help me out and the amount of friends I help out too, but I think connections are one of the most important things that in order to be successful you have to have. That is a hell a hell of a trading secret and it's so true. Yeah. One relationship, one handshake, one interaction can change your entire Everything. life. And not only that, I know people love to stay behind their computers and their phones. There is no substitute to in person. No. There's just not. Mm-mm. If you look at every statistic out there about how quick something can accelerate, whether you're dating, whether you're looking for a business partnership or your next opportunity, if you see those people in person, it's going to accelerate it big time. Kelly Flanagan, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on Trading Secrets. Guys, stay tuned for the recap. We're going to talk about some of the statistics out there with the attorney field, the percentage of women, percentage of men, what law school looks like, the cost, median pay, et cetera. So stay tuned to the recap. And Kelly Flanagan, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find everything you have going on? On Instagram, Kelly Flanagan, just at Kelly Flanagan, but I have an extra E in there. Extra E and extra TikTok. E. Your TikTok's TikTok. blowing up too. <laughs> I know Evan would want me to mention that because yeah, he wants more deals for you. Yeah. Guys, thank you for tuning to another episode of Trading Secrets, one you can't afford to miss. Ding, ding, ding. We are ringing in the closing bell to the Kelly Flanagan episode. David, I know you're a huge fan of hers. You were just with her in New York. I mean, she called you amazing, but there are so many curiosities that I am sure have got to be driving you crazy here from the school tuition to the fact that dad paid for all those, the family business, 
the whole bachelor side of things in the career after the bachelor. And then of course, obviously the relationship with Peter. So where do you even want to start with this recap? The curious Canadians antenna's got to be going haywire. Well, anyone who calls me amazing is just buttering me up for a nice, solid five-star recap. So thank you, <laughs> Kelly, for coming on. Thank you for calling me amazing. I had the opportunity to meet her and Pete for the first time together at a Kygo concert a couple weeks ago on the day that I told Evan and Ben that Ashley was pregnant. So they were a part of that amazing, amazing couple. Um, What's all you, right? We're going off the record here. Business side. Yeah. How about like personal side? Do they party hard, drink hard? Hey, like what's the vibe like? Vibe was chill. I mean, it was a Kygo concert. Really quick on the Kygo concert. I've never it was at MSG. I've never been to a concert in a building where everyone was so happy because Kygo plays the happiest music. And it was just like meeting them for the first time at that concert together at a big moment in Ashley and I's life. They were awesome, awesome. We went to dinner before. It was it was a good time. Great people. Happy that she came on. But I want to put this out the there real quick yeah. because you had just yeah. met them and they left they they experienced a big moment with you when you shared that your wife was pregnant. I want to make sure everyone out there knows Kelly obviously comes from a family of wealth. Peter does very well and was the bachelor. They are both such down to earth, humble people. When you are sitting there one-on-one with them at a dinner, you would never know any of the background of any sort. They're so real. And I really want to make that crystal clear. Here's how I can accentuate that. Me and Pete are still in a group chat talking football, Sundays, Seahawks, nonstop. We went out for dinner for Evan's birthday the night after. I got to spend more time with them. Kelly flew back. And here's something about Kelly. She didn't have to do this. Very small gesture in, in the world we live in. She followed me back and she followed my wife back on Instagram. Actually, I think she might have followed my wife before my wife even followed her. But just like super care, genuine, like she, she was awesome. They're awesome. If there's any Pete and Kelly naysayers out there, stop it. <laughs> They're a great, great couple. They're great together. It was great to meet both of them. So awesome to have her on the podcast. But favorite episode, favorite part of the episode, similar to the Joe episode, when you have these bachelor personalities on, true trading secrets fashion, trading secrets about their life, how they got there, their upbringing, learning more about them. So that was my biggest takeaway. But I think I want to I start with the school, man. You seem blown away by it, by the idea of it. So I want to see if that's still like affecting you. Are you still, is it still popping in your head when it's a random Thursday afternoon thinking about, wow, boarding school, Culver? I'm just trying, David, here's where I'm going with this and the viewers out there. By the way, Right now, I'm calling the viewers the money mafia. If it sticks, it. it sticks. If it doesn't stick, it doesn't stick. If you guys like the money mafia, go give us five stars and give us the approval. Then we got to give the hundred bucks out to the individual that helped us with that name. But the biggest thing for me, David, is I've had some decent success at a young age, got a couple bucks saved away. I could never imagine spending 35k a year for my kid to go to boarding school maybe it's because i don't understand it now with you you co- coach at bishop kearney and i my understanding it correct me if i'm wrong but like it could cost up there's obviously a lot of moving parts but it could cost up to like 60k a year for a kid to play hockey at prep school at bishop kearney how does one ever justify that help me so here's what i'll say to that you know ours is a financial aid based program of fifty nine thousand dollars a full pay so we have a a variety of what people pay i'd say the average is mid 30s so similar to what kelly was paying to culver what i will say is this the people who are full pay at our program end up being our happiest customers and you might think why right if there's someone paying 59 it's sure because the people who are paying full pay 
are successful business people in their careers in the fields, they understand value. They understand hard work. They understand dedication. They understand commitment. They are always the happiest because they see the value in the product that they're sending their son to. And so they're always the happiest. Whereas people who, you know, are here on financial aid might not understand the level of work and, and value that they're actually receiving. And so sometimes they're wanting more, even though they're paying way less. They're they're not understanding of everything that really goes into it. You know, it's all about opportunity. One of the best parts of the episode that she talked about was her parents' upbringing and how different it was from the life that they're living. And obviously somewhere along the way to probably spend what is, you know, quick math calculation, six siblings, Culver, grad school and undergrad degree, somewhere around $3 million. He feels the value in the education of sending them for this experience to learn the life lessons. And Kelly admitted 14 year old brat Kelly needed it. She was throwing a hissy fit about, you know, having to make her bed or or not being able to call her boyfriend or something like that at the time. So I think money well spent seems like a pretty great family. I give him credit. I mean, you think about the dollars and cents, five kids, what, you know, you know, if you 40 K a year, let's call it one 160 K five kids, that's, you know, 800 K then you got t- law school and undergraduate. That's another easy, easy 800K. You're talking 2 million plus. And what I always like to tell people, the biggest tip I could give them is when you're thinking about spending, when someone says, I spend this much on instantly, just for safety, measure it times 1.5 because that's the gross income you need to actually spend that, right? So if he generates $3 million in gross income, that gives him, let's just say, $2 million of spending power, that $2 million of spending power probably went to all the schools of uh, all the kids. And I guess that's like a dream. Like you could put, well, think about like, at the, you talk about legacy, we just had Miguel Cervantes on. You think about like the end of your day, you've been so successful, you've been able to grind a business to put five kids through law school and change the entirety of their trajectory. That's amazing. Yeah. And shout out to BK. We we went down to Culver and played them in hockey last year and smacked them two games. Uh, beautiful <laughs> campus, though. <laughs> Me and you, it was like, it is truly middle of the nowhere, Indiana, but it's on a lake, has a golf course. It's, it's beautiful there. So, but after saying those numbers, I feel like it has to be justified after all the investment that the dads put into it. Did you ever have an opportunity to work for a family business? Do you get the family? What's your opinion on the family business model for, for people generation after generation? taking less for meaning more kind of thing. Yeah, I think like when it's when it, I've got to work with family businesses, especially on the banking side, and there's so much pride that is so much greater than the salary. It's not about the dollars and cents, it's about the legacy, it's about the generation passing on to on. But man, there are some headaches in family businesses. Ego starts to get in the way and you know, brothers, one brother's doing really well on side hustle outside of the business and the other sister sees that and there's envy in that. And there are just so many tangled webs in family businesses. So I give so much credit to those businesses that have gone generation to generation, but I want everyone out there to know, just like I say it, it is so much harder than what you see from the outside, especially when you see these massive changes in culture and communication and how generation to generation, think about what we do now with social media. Like it creates a lot of disparity in what previous generations thought, you know, was the case. So it's, it's harder than people think. I also see it, it being hard too. like, okay, you invested all this to get them there, to give them that salary. Yes, it's lower than the norm for the industry, but it comes with the school, the education, the cell phone bill, the gas card, all that stuff. That's all good and dandy, but now you're a functioning adult. Now you're in a relationship. Now you might need to move in with someone. Now you need to pay rent. Like It's hard to, you know, yes, thank you. You set me up to get here, but this isn't realistic moving forward. So 
that's kind of always a, a give and take there. One thing that I did love, and I'm sure when you heard it, you were just like smile ear to ear. Every penny she's made from brand deal, she's invested. So that's like a, a Jason Tardick, like two thumbs up, pat on the back, like the money Gronk mafia model. type stuff. I was like, that is such a luxury. I love it. I think it's the coolest thing. It's kind of the opposite for me, especially when I was double dipping with my banking job. I, with the second I got off the show, about a month after that, when I started taking deals, from that point on, I never spent one penny of my banking salary. It all went into account. Didn't touch it. Every bi-week, it's coming in, coming in, bonuses come in. Never spent a penny. And it made me realize, holy shit, a year or so of not spending money, I obviously have money saved up, but like, how do you build wealth off that? That's part of the reason I'm thinking yeah. about this second book, like building wealth as a W-2, because if I didn't spend a fucking penny, which is impossible for anyone to do, and I at the time I had $165,000 salary with bonus structure, in a nice expense account. And I look at the end of the day of like, what's left? I'm like, what? Not spending one penny. It is so hard to build like legitimate savings and wealth in this world. It really is. Terrifies me every day. I mean, you know, I had the same salary for a job where I wasn't paying rent, wasn't paying utilities, wasn't paying for food. I moved back to Rochester, bought a house, got married, kid on the way, have a quote unquote dream job, make a quarter of the salary that I was there. And trying to stuff $100 under the mattress or, or, or put $100 into a 401k, it's really hard. So now she's obviously pretty committed to the in influencing thing until she's not. How long do you think she's got a career in that? Do you think she's an influencer lifer or do you think that she's going to get bored or find a new passion? The one thing I'd like to see within her, because she does great. And I know this, right? Because we run the agency. She does great. And I know she takes deals outside. So I'm proud of her for that. But I'd love to see her really step into what it's going to be for Kelly. Like, is it going to be the fashion side? Is it going to be, I'm the badass attorney and I'm going to help women in, in professional careers with, you know, high concentration of men. Is it going to be like, I'll give you like expert advice on tax stuff. Like, I don't know what it is, but I think if Kelly were to step into something, own it, create stuff around it, it could be next level for her. But that's what she yeah, would the, have to do. It can't just the be- go travel and this is where I go because it's not, yeah. it's not sustainable. And, and, and quite frankly, with some of the places she gets to go at the level she gets to go, it's not economical or scalable for her viewing audience. I feel like it's also not on brand. I feel like she knows this almost to like when she went on the bachelor, not that she's above it, but she knows that like, she doesn't need the bachelor. She doesn't need influencing. She has a law background. She has a family law firm. I think what you talked about, like the legality of influencers is a really unique niche for her to be in. I have to ask it because, cause you said it in the episode RX three, it's a, it's a Aaron Rodgers fund that she mentioned that, you know, is, is something that she's invested in. Can you just touch on what that is real quick? And then we can wrap up. Yeah. So it's genius. Like what Aaron Rodgers did is he got a bunch of really smart people behind him. They used his name in these smart people to then go have people invest in this fund, people with notoriety. And then they take this fund and they go invest in businesses. And they get to tell some of these founders, like, we got Aaron Rodgers, we have this celebrity, we have this celebrity. And Kelly was part of that group. And I actually met with them to talk about investing into them. And I think what they're doing is great. It wasn't the right fit for me, but what they're doing is great. And they're leveraging the power of people's name and influence to help raise capital 
to then help deploy the capital to businesses that want those people involved, right? So imagine you have a startup business, it's a sports energy drink, and some guy who's extremely smart in venture capital says, hey, I have a fund, and not only do I have a fund, but Aaron Rodgers behind it, and that actor's behind it, and this musician's behind it, and those reality stars are behind it. It's a brilliant concept. It's one, maybe one day I'd love to replicate, and it's a really good move on her part to be aligned with those people and be invested in that fund's a good move for her. Love it. Well, speaking of investing and hearing Kelly's story and all the money her dad had to spend on his kids' schooling, I might need to put you on a task. I might need you to educate me on setting up a school fund for my soon-to-be child so that when they're ready to go to school, I can actually afford it. So I'm going to task you with that. Maybe we'll touch on it at the boot camp, the February boot camp that I hope is still is still planning for in Nashville in February. I would love to, to touch on that. But overall, great episode. Thank you very much, Kelly, for coming on. Long overdue, but uh, it was a good one. Kelly, Peter, congratulations. We are so happy for you guys. If you are going into 2023 and you are looking to better your health and build your wealth, we are going to have a Trading Secrets Bootcamp. It's going to be February. It's going to be in Nashville, Tennessee. And if you're interested, just shoot us an email. It's just going to be jason at rewiredtalent.com. And we will make sure that you are on the waiting list for that. We're going to have a very select number of seats there. So David, thanks for bringing that up. If you like Money Mafia, go give us five stars in the ratings and give us affirmation. We need to know. Also, we do have three people picked out. We will announce those people on Instagram for who will win Miguel's golf item. We bought a bunch of those. So that's coming too. And David, I'm going to give you a, a little a little preview next recap about some ideas for saving for children as you're preparing for their next steps in education. There's a lot of tax benefits associated with that. So thank you for tuning into another episode of Trading Secrets. Hopefully this was one you can't afford to miss and we will see you next Monday. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements